Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. Yay, we are live. And it's still... March, which means Women's History Month, and we're excited to finally have a guest on this month, a wonderful woman, Nicole. And um, I'm actually going to turn it over to Amber so she can talk about how she knows Nicole. She knows her personally up in Tacoma, Washington, and um, just like give her her intro and all that. So Amber, how did you meet Nicole and and all that? How did we meet? I think we met through friends, through our little Tacoma crew. And um, I think that one of my first services that I did with Nicole was a Reiki reading. Um, And that's when she really got to know me. We really got to know each other. And since she's been doing Reiki, her career took a turn. And so she's starting to do um, death work and is a death doula. She has her own business and is a very successful and inspirational woman. And I've been loving to get getting to know her over the past few years. And so I'm also doing her uh, grief recovery course right now. And I just really wanted to have her on. So I'm, here is my girl, Nicole. Yay. Oh, yay. Thanks, friend. So <laughs> excited because Amber has been talking about you for a while again I always am never sure how much is like offline versus online when we talk about about you but I know she's mentioned like wanting to have you on here so I'm so excited to be able to do that as well thanks for having me I'm stoked to be on yeah yeah so Nicole if you want to just give us a little background so as Amber mentioned you did some Reiki and like and now you're in uh I don't even know what do you say like so I'm used to word like the word industry like the outdoor industry fitness industry like I don't know. Do you say the death industry? <laughs> yes, death industry, death care. Um, yes, and it is there. It's an industry. It's just like every other industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of, we'll say, industry adjacent. Um, I would say the industry would be the funeral industry, which I work in as well. I'm an executive assistant at a funeral home, but I am also. A death doula, certified end of life specialist, death educator, and a grief recovery specialist. So I do everything death, dying, and bereavement. Lots of titles. You've earned them too. It's been it's been really great watching your journey through this. All of this. Thanks. Yeah. Started. I mean, I I started out a as a dancer. I was just I was going to be a showgirl when I grew up. Um, And then that turned into a naturopathic assistant and phlebotomist and lab technician, which turned into a Reiki practitioner, which wasn't really Reiki. Um, It's more intuitive healing. I would say pretty much all Reiki is accompanied by some other form of intuitive healing. Mm -hmm. And then into a death doula, into certified end-of-life specialist, um, and then grief, grief recovery special. So all things with death, dying and bereavement. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know where life's going to take you. No kidding. I mean, <laughs> that's a long, <laughs> in the death industry is a long, it's a big change from being a dancer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Huge. Um, I mean, 
I feel like even for a lot of people, I feel like doula, like even birth doulas are, I mean, I know that it's been around forever, but it wasn't as, I guess, like mainstream even until a little more recently. So like a death doula, many people just don't even know, which we can go dive deeper into that, like later or however it fits in. But um, like people just don't even know that 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 exists either. Like what is a, a doula, the definition of a doula in general? What is do you know? Do you have that? Like a person who serves. So a death doula or a death midlife, or there's, there's quite a few names, end of life specialist. Um, it's a person who assists in the dying process, mm-hmm. much like a midwife doula, bringing somebody and transitioning someone into this world. A death doula transitions them out of this world, uh, in a comfortable way or as comfortable as we can make it for them. Um, we basically just aim to help families cope with the death process and recognize that it's natural and a very important part of life. Mm-hmm. And it's also different than hospice. Different than hospice. Yes. yes. Um, hospice will also provide care at end of life, but we can't do anything medical. So like palliative care and hospice where they can administer medical treatment, uh, death doulas cannot. Mm-hmm. We can do home services. Um, we can wash the body after they pass. We can explain the process. Um, we'll do anything to make the person passing away, also known as a decedent. So I'll say decedent a lot because that's our technical term. Okay. Anything that makes the decedent comfortable and also explains to the family what's happening. Um, we also educate and advocate for the family. So we can we can help with end of life wishes with care. We can talk to a hospice specialist to say, Hey, you know, so-and-so doesn't want to eat or maybe Mm -hmm. they do, or they'd rather be at home instead of in a hospital. Like we advocate for the family and, and help with the medical field. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, I guess before we dive too deep into what you're doing now and what all that entails, I'm really curious about, as you said, you went from dancer to, to where you're at now, a lot of things in between as well. So from like early stages of like, was it just like a 180 that like something happened or something came up in your life that you went that route? Or was this a, like, was death something that you were interested in from a young age or fascinated by, or like experienced a lot of or anything? Um, I haven't experienced a ton of personal death in my life. I had a couple of friends pass away my senior year of high school and my grandparents passed away. Um, I think I, I have been fascinated with the darker side of life my whole life, but I don't live my personal life that way. So I want to try everything and do all of the hobbies and travel all over the world and learn all of the different cultures, but I'm fascinated with dark art, Halloween, um, that culture. I've always wanted to own a hearse. I just, I find a lot of beauty in death and I always have growing up. That was a very taboo subject and everyone, I didn't talk about it openly because I was labeled as weird or the goth girl. Um, and I didn't want to be that. So I just didn't talk about it out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, once I got to Tacoma, I first, when I first moved here, I was applying for office manage manager positions and a care center here in Kent was hiring and I, and it was a care center for the deceased. And I thought, well, 
sure. Like, we'll give this a go. I, you know, I've never really worked one-on-one with this, but I think I can. Um, and I got in there and I can, and I felt very, it was, it was the most heart fulfilling work I've ever done to take care of somebody and someone's family member after they pass. And when they have no clue, I mean, typically a family member passes and they leave your house and you have no clue what happens to them mm-hmm. until they come back to you as ashes in a box. Yes. But yeah. I am taking care of them that whole time. I transport them. I make sure they get cremated, that that your actual loved one gets cremated. There's a lot of horror stories, but I, yeah. I make sure that that's your loved one, that they go through the process and that they come back to you safe. And there's a lot of steps between the time they leave your house till they come back to you. So it was, it's really amazing heart work that we do. Um, but where I geek out is on disposition methods because there's not only just cremation, there's a ton of other methods. And mm-hmm. so it piqued my interest. Um, and then, yeah, I went down the doula route because the, the industry is necessary, but I don't love all aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So I went down kind of a different path rather than working at the care center. I went for the more educational route. That I love that part of it is just the knowing that someone's caring for your loved one after, because I personally have not either dealt with a lot of a death, like immediate to me or anything. So I haven't really been there, but it's been something like death for me growing up was always very scary. I like hated talking about it. I was afraid like if I even made, had that thought, like then it was going to happen to like my mom or dad or something. I just never, ever wanted to thought, think about it. And as I got older and like experienced it with my grandparents, I feel like I kind of at one, like just shut off and almost as if I still haven't dealt with them actually being gone. Cause it's weird of like, Oh, they were there and now they're not like, how do I even process that? Like, um and just kind of shut off once they once someone passes away of not even wanting to consider the other elements but have always wondered and you're like yeah what with cremation how are you knowing that that's like like what is happening are they okay still and when is it okay to kind of like when do I really say my goodbyes or how do I deal with anything after um but I just had no idea anything like a death doula existed to kind of either answer those questions or just be there to to support in whatever you're feeling. So that's yeah. amazing to have. We're out there. There's yeah. a lot of us. It's <laughs> surprising how many death doulas are out there. Typically it's community work. Mm-hmm. It's typically a, a volunteer, a voluntary role. Um, I made a business out of it, but that that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people feel called to doing this type of work and they give it to the community as heart work. Not that heart work can't be a job as well, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, it's typically a community role. So when you decided you wanted to do, go the doula route from the care service, did you immediately like start your own business or is there some, like, did you start doing it volunteering or how did that kind of evolve into um, where you're at now with your business for Get Me Not? So I went I did training through a sacred passing here in Tacoma and they're amazing. I trained with a woman named Lashana and she's phenomenal. Um, and I, I kind of went through the training for myself just to see how it resonated with me and if I liked it. Um, and then right after that, I acquired a hearse, a beautiful hearse and I drove it to work and I worked for a chiropractic office 
And uh, a client came in, a patient came in and said, is that your hearse? And I said, yeah. And he says, why do you have that? And he said, well, I'm a death doula. Well, he came back the next class and he said, I'm going to work with you. We're going to start a business. I think you need to start a business. So he saw something in my death doula work and, and it kind of just lined up funny. And he goes, I'm going to do this for you. Complimentary. You don't have to pay me. I just really want you to start a business in this. And I was like, you're high. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have no desire to be a business owner. That is way too much pressure. Um, Thanks, but no thanks. And he was like, no, do this. I'm serious. So I sat down with him and I came home and I was like, yeah, that's very kind, but this is not for me. So I went and I got in the bathtub and as I'm sitting in the bathtub, kind of zenning out, I yelled two at two at maybe one in the same, my significant other. And I was like, the name of my business is forget me not. I'm going to take a holistic approach to end of life planning for individuals who are not imminent death. We're going to go out there and we're going to teach. We're going to fill in all the gaps. And he, and he walks in and he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, <laughs> I know exactly what I'm going to do. We're going to make a workbook. It's going to be awesome. And of course he's super supportive. And he was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Um, sat down with one of his best friends, best guy friends. And I'm like, Hey, can I use you for just like, I just want to talk to you about death. And he was like, uh, sure. And I asked him all of these questions that made up the workbook and the rest is history. Um, he saw something that I didn't see and he pushed it and here we are. Dude, That's that amazing. amazing. I didn't know that story. Yeah. That's amazing. One of these I, days I'll, I, I'll get him to make a workbook too, but we're yeah. not there yet. <laughs> Everything takes time because I've I've used, I've utilized your services. I have a death plan in place and I'm so grateful for it because I don't have family members that I trust when and or if my time comes to leave who and where to leave Quincy with, whether it's Murray and I go together or like whatever happens. It's just nice to have that peace of mind of knowing everything's going to be okay for you and your family once you are gone. And yeah, it just leave it just opens up room for s- not being afraid of death. Once you sit down and have these conversations, right. Then you live life yeah, yeah. because you're not fearful of death. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the goal, right? Like not to sound funny, but death is the easy part. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. part of life. It's going to happen. You can't cheat death. It's going to happen. Life is hard. There's a lot of twists and turns and unknowns and grief and trauma and loss. Like life is hard. Mm -hmm. So let's take away the taboo subject of death and just say, hey, you know what? You're going to go. Let's get a plan in place. You're not manifesting it because it's going to happen. So you're not manifesting anything that is already inevitable. Mm -hmm. So let's get a plan in place and then go live life. Yeah. Right. Go, go bungee jump, go skydive, move to Hawaii. And it, it really forces you to look at what you have here. And if this is really the life you're wanting to live, because yes. it is short, you know, this is your time on this planet and you want to live it to the fullest, but to be fearful of death and not confront it stops you from living your life to the fullest. Thousand percent. Right. And I feel like, so there's different ways, like people, 
parents or whatever anybody who is afraid to like leave something behind like then that's their fear of death maybe it's like I what what's going to happen to my family my business or whatever it may be my dogs my cats whatever and then there's a side of people who I feel like like how I felt again I was I was young I was a child of like being afraid of it happening to me in the sense of losing my parents or anyone close to me then like how do I go on with life without them? So you have the one side of the coin of like being afraid of yourself dying and, and what's going to happen to the things you're leaving behind. And the other side being like, what's going to happen to me if so-and-so or dies or I lose this or that. And so you address kind of all, all of those things for anybody, just death in general and how to deal with it, no matter what side of it you may be fearful of. Right. So let's say, let's say, for example, you and I sit down and we come up with a plan for you. Mm -hmm. Now, you know exactly what type of disposition you want and what you want done with your body after death. You're not scared to talk about it anymore because you've already talked about it. So maybe you go have a conversation with mom and dad. Hey, guess what I learned? Hey, what do you want? And then you come up with this holistic plan for your parents. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard when they go or, but it could be easier knowing that you're honoring their wishes and you've had this conversation ahead of time to say, oh yeah, this is what mom wanted. This is what my dad wanted. I can do this for them even after death. And it becomes a beautiful ritual or ceremony. And it's not necessarily just the stress of now they're gone. What do I do? And it's all this white noise. Now it's like, oh, we have a plan. Mm -hmm. And maybe we just did the book with you. But now you understand what to talk to them about mm -hmm. and that helps you with their death as well. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. there's the grief, yeah. which grief is very, I mean, yes. grief is a change in a familiar pattern of behavior resulting in loss. It's there's all kinds of loss besides just the loss of a parent or a sibling or a pet. There's the loss of trust. There's, you know, any undelivered communication, um, or unmet expectation, like those are all grief components. So we work with that at that time too. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up of, of loss isn't always uh, just a death in, in a family or a friend. I think we, Amber and I have talked about um, like like divorce or the lo like breaking up or something that can be you know that can, that's like a loss a lot of people say that you know it, it's like a death because you have lost that person or a piece of you or part of you with whatever may have gone with that relationship and and people don't consider things like that or even losing a job if you identify yourself as someone I think a lot in the terms of like um athletes who identify themselves as like I am a whatever sport like and that's it that's all I have in my life and then they get hurt and can't play or retire or whatever and then it's like well who am I like what do I do like that was my identity it's a loss of identity in itself like how do you move on from that and that can be from all those things that were losing a person in your life in any way again like you identified yourself as being like this person's daughter or significant other or whatever um yeah a lot like I like that you're speaking in general terms of like just loss loss and your your sports um not finding words example is perfect because not only is that a loss of your identity as a football player let's say 
but it's also a loss of body because if you got injured and now you can't play the sport, now it's a loss of what your body could do. So now you have to build a new relationship with this new body that can't do what it did before. It's a loss of potential income. Mm -hmm. It's a loss of your teammates and friends. There's that all right there. There's four losses all just in one loss. So you tease each one of those out and build complete a relationship there and build a new relationship from this new person and new friends and new income and new body. So there's, yeah, any change in a familiar pattern of behavior. That's just an amazing way to think about it. Like I said, I feel like, again, with the term, if someone was just to look at you and say like, death doula, like not under, obviously if they talk to you and they learn more about services and whatnot, they learn. But even just in this conversation, as we brought it up, is that like, you're a death doula of people like, no, like, let's open that up. It's a lot more to do with just that again, like loss. Um, So with your workbook, then is that just a series of steps for dealing with any kind of loss? And as you go through that, you kind of just like pinpoint in onto what exactly kind of loss you're, you're talking about. So my workbook is a death workbook. Okay. Um, so that you and I would sit down and I'd say, who are you? How do you identify? What are you proud of in life? What materialistic things do you love? Okay. What do you want done with your body? What do you want done after the remains of your body come back? Uh, what type of service do you want? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? What do you want people to wear? Mm. You know, is there going to be limbo? Is there going to be a limbo line? Do you (laughs) want everyone to do the cha-cha? Like we, we really break it all down. And then we write almost like a living obituary for you so that if anything happened in an accident, your friends and family could read that and be like, oh my gosh, this was 100% she, her, are you a she, her? Uh, Yes. Okay. This is 1000% (laughs) what she wanted. Right. And then, and then it's a beautiful thing and yes, it's still sad, but it's also beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then behind that's the workbook that has your passwords for your accounts, what to do with your animals when you pass away, who to plan your service that you've shared this book with, because maybe your mom and dad, if you pass away before them, maybe they're not the ones to plan the service for you, but you want Amber to do it. So you put Amber down and you put her phone number and she knows exactly what you want. So that's all behind and notes because your life is going to change. So you just keep adding to this workbook and building on it. And, you know, maybe you really wanted Coldplay played at your service and now you can't stand Coldplay because you've listened (laughs) to the record way too many times, but you want Alanis on there. Okay. It's like, you can change these things up because it's always evolving. Now it acts as a time capsule. On the grief side, I am certified through the Grief Recovery Institute. So I specifically use the grief recovery method as my program. Um, And that does come with a book as well. The book talks you through the different steps. And then we meet once a week for eight weeks um, and you have homework and we tease out the losses throughout your life um, and we work on completing a relationship. But really, and this is not correct grammar, we unlearn everything that you've learned (laughs) and and we start from scratch on how to help other people work through grief and life and a good response versus I'm sorry for your loss or time heals all like things that are not helpful. We unlearn all of that. And I give you new tools and new resources to use also how to put up boundaries 
so that you don't have to take on somebody else's grief, Mm -hmm. but you know how to help them and make them feel good without having to feel it yourself. And Amber can probably speak to this. I'm putting you on blast because I know you've talked about this in your other podcasts, Mm -hmm. but she's going through it right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you, if you want to share, you're welcome to share your own experience. (laughs) No, we actually, our meeting is tonight and, um, uh, our, if I'm allowed to share our homework for this week is our, uh, uh, grief loss timeline. So you start from your very first memory that you yourself, you remember, not like a picture or a video that someone showed you of like, here's you as a kid. It's like your memory of your life. The first one, um, which mine was tying my shoes on my kitchen table and being like, I just like remember being so proud. And so that's where my conscious memory starts. And I was probably like four or five. And so you go through your life and you um, you jot down and track your significant losses, your and I don't I don't even think I should call these like significant or insignificant because every loss is a loss, but like your most impactful losses and your not so impactful losses and you go through that and break it down and then you we take what we've learned in previous weeks as far as like myths about death and the way that we as humans um, react to our grief and and trauma and whatever life throws our way and figure break it all down I mean I'm still in the learning process so it's hard to see big picture but I think that as we go on each week I'm starting to see it more and more and I remember in one of our first meetings I was just like man Nicole's got the wheel and she knows exactly all the paths we're gonna go down and yeah it's it's been really lovely and we do we're in a group setting and it's just so supportive and amazing to hear other people's stories and be like, okay, like I'm not alone in this and I'm not alone. And everybody's experienced loss, whether it's you lost a shoe or (laughs) I wanted to put one of my losses on there that I thought I was going to put that, but that I ended up not putting was I remember I had this keychain collection when I was a kid and someone stole it from me or I lost it. And I still freaking think about that keychain collection and I'm still pissed about it. And add it, add it to the list. Add it to the list. Yeah. Yeah. Of the 90s. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I remember an impactful loss on me was when I lost my blankie in the store and I pulled it up I just had a strand left and when I realized the rest of that thing wasn't behind me I just lost my shit and I was probably like yeah three or four in the grocery store and yeah because it was a secure like I needed that thing everywhere I went like my mom Mm -hmm. always got me this this video from the library every time we went it was a a book and a a video of like uh please don't wash my blankie today (laughs) she'd have to give me something else when she washed it but like you said, like anything is, in, I like the word that you used, impactful rather than significant or insignificant, especially depending on what, where you're at in your life. Like, so it's like it, whether it's just some kind of thing of security 
or for me I hate like these days when I misplace something it just I cannot stop thinking about it and so with that keychain I feel like you know where the hell like I know I'm just if I just knew that this kid took it or I left it here I'd have more um I would just be okay with it like closure almost (laughs) so it's so funny you bring that up yeah yeah and like even with your blanket story like you still have feelings associated with these memories and these things that we go through life getting attached to and yes because all about that well I guess not all about but that's a big a good point is like I, I think a lot of it does stem from some kind of attachment, right? A loss has to be because you were attached to something in some way. And, yeah. Um, it's a familiar other... pattern of behavior. Yeah. Your blankie was very familiar to you. It yeah. went everywhere. It was with you for every part of your life. And grief is experienced at 100%. Mm-hmm. Society tells us, oh, it's just a blankie. Get over it. And you're like, no, that was my soul. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was, that was a familiar pattern of behavior for you. Of course mm-hmm. there's grief around that. Yeah. I love making that okay because society just makes you feel bad for, for feeling bad. Like what telling yes. you what you should feel and when you should feel it. And that's around all things in our life that we experience. Like, no, you should, you should be happy about this. You shouldn't be sad about that. Whatever it is. Like, you to someone else like you have the perfect life you should be so grateful and happy you're like yeah but like something inside me is still not like fulfilled and you can't explain that to everybody they're just like no 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 you have it all like you're fine no not really but people yeah are always just telling you how you should feel and when you should feel more or less and you know what people should be saying in my opinion it is okay to not be okay yeah I absolutely love also that, um, in your workbook, you talk about, um, uh, what to say to people, because I definitely struggle with that through whatever they're going through. Like, okay. Yeah. It's hard. What do you say? Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And you feel like that's, and and we talked about this a lot when, uh, Marie's dad passed away and, and you bringing that up, Amber, of just like, what to say to his mom because like yes like you're you're so sorry that and it that stems from mostly for me like I say that because I'm so sorry that there's nothing else that I feel I can do or say I I I just have no idea but you know sometimes people do just need that space and really just go give someone a hug and sit there with them you don't always have to say something but you feel at least initially you have to give your condolences in the way that we are, you know, most normally taught of I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for your loss. And it's just like, it doesn't hit. It doesn't hit. You know, you're right. A lot of times a hug, a hug or just sitting there goes a long way, but also to say, I'm sorry for your loss to somebody as a blanket statement. What if they're not sorry for their loss? What if they're glad that they lost that person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now they feel bad because they don't feel sorry. Yeah. It's really not a blanket term Mm -hmm. and they're not going to sit there and be like, I'm not sorry for my loss Mm because that makes them sound heartless. So it puts people in a very uncomfortable position. So I'm sorry for your loss, I think is a really terrible blanket term. Yeah. Now it really is individual. If you know this individual personally and very well and you feel comfortable saying that to that person because you know them so well great otherwise just simply say my heart is with you there's Mm. nothing offensive about that and it's a true statement Mm -hmm. 
Um, another thing that you can do is if you have the capacity, say, is there anything you want to tell me right now? Or how do you feel in this moment? And that's, that's not asking them to reflect on their past. Mm -hmm. That's not asking them to go into, you know, a grief cycle or anything like that. It's just, how do you feel right now? Or is there anything you want to tell me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that opens up space for them because a lot of times people just want to be heard Mm -hmm. and we should never grieve alone we do better grieving when we have others there. So to be heard in those moments, sometimes is the best. And if they don't want to talk to you, they will be honest. They're like, no, I don't have anything to say right now. Okay. Right. And I mean, because of what we're taught, um, I also feel like people may hold back a lot too. So it might take them a while to be able to come to you and you just kind of have to continue being there and ask those questions because the first time they're like, yeah, no, I don't like, I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't say that because what if it's just like, I feel hungry. And what I'd really love is to go get like a bite to eat with my friend and not, you know, remove myself from this situation for a minute. And you might feel guilty for saying something like that, feeling like I need to be sad 24 seven for five years, like to deal with the loss of this. So um, that's just, again, things that we don't, don't think about. Uh, Because I mean, some people have dealt with a lot of loss. Amber, you've personally dealt with a lot of loss, but Others haven't, like me, so where I'm like, I don't know what to do in this situation because I cannot relate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when it, you get used to, like, because I've lost my mother, when you, and at a young age, I was 17 when I lost her, and when you get used to not having those pillars around, you're just like, oh, okay, it's just, this is just how my life is. And it's, mm-hmm. and whether you've dealt with that death or not, it just, is your life and you go along and mm-hmm. then your friend comes up to you and it's like, Hey, I think you should do this grief workshop. And you're like, but I'm a professional <laughs> at grieving my friend. <laughs> and then you do the grief workshop and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> you learn a lot. It's it's yeah. The work you do, Nicole is just so great. And I'm just so proud of you as your friend and as a client. And it's just been really lovely going on all these journeys with you. I'm proud of you. You're the one doing the work. Yes. I may be, I may be facilitating and holding space for you, but you, my friend are the one doing the work and amazing work you are doing. Thank you, friend. And it's also great to see, like, do this podcast with Taryn, not knowing a lot of, like, all the things that you do and her going through her realizations. And so (laughs) I kind of feel like I'm in your shoes where you're just like, you just sit back and you let the people think their thoughts. And the work is doing it's we're doing it it's ourselves yeah (laughs) so actually I do want to ask you Amber how so what is this your third week in the yeah I was gonna say I think we're in to the fourth okay so how have you felt doing it like you're noticing like it's you're you're digging deep and kind of getting into things that maybe you thought were put to bed and and weren't or like I don't know just like, like give us a little taste of your overall experience yeah. in this because like you said you are thought of by me and yourself as like a professional as someone who's lost a lot of close people from a young age that it's like okay yeah you you know how to kind of go through it but I mean every situation is different too and you're at different stages in your life through all of it so so what is it like going through this yourself um so so far Uh, for the first four weeks, you just, the first three weeks, I would say are pretty quote unquote easy. 
Um, essentially what you're doing is you're building a foundation of, um, misinformation or like fault, like things that we've picked up as a society along the ways of like, pick up your bootstraps, cowboy, and move on. Like, don't be sad. And all this, all that kind of like quick things to say for people because we have a hard time dealing with emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a lot of that. And then it's also um, looking back at your behaviors and the different behaviors that you pick up in those times of grief and whether good or bad, how to hopefully in the next cycle of grief or whatever you got going on through to acknowledge your behaviors and hopefully correct them um, or deal with it better, sit with it better, however you go about it. Um, And so with this week coming up, doing the timeline is when we start to really sit back and think of the things that have happened in our lives. Um, And when I went into the grief recovery program, um, I felt like, because in the first meeting, it's like, okay, so what, what things of loss brought you here today? And so I was like, oh, I'll just say the most impactful deaths of my life. And I'm sure other things will come up and it won't be about those most impactful deaths of my life. When, as I'm doing the work, I'm like, oh, those really are the most impactful deaths. And that really like, losing my mother and then also losing a baby in my body at 36 weeks is the work, what I'm working on. And I definitely feel like I've been working a lot on um, losing Lucas and talking about that the most. And yeah, it's just wild how all this stuff comes up. And then you also think about your pets that you lost as a kid or like, um, on my, uh, grief, on my grief timeline, I also put my first, um, breakup and I put it down as like a, a toxic, like traumatic, icky thing. I was like my first breakup, icky, you know, like, yeah, it's just, it's, there's just so many things in our life that are of grief and, Sometimes it's trauma and sometimes it's grief and sometimes it's something totally else. So also trying to acknowledge what these hardships are in your life Mm -hmm. and being able to like put them in a compartment and being like, oh, this was my trauma. Oh, this was my grief. And this is how I'm going to process and deal with it now that I have these tools. And now that I look at the different, the world a different way and have all these tools. It's just, it's really great. And still only halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say it sounds it, cause she's in, she's in like the hardest week so far. Right. Mm-hmm. So I will yeah. say that right now everything is open and we're pouring a little bit of salt in the wound, mm-hmm. but I promise by the end, I give you a good glob of super glue and we put it everything back together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we close that's, it. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's what it takes three uh, times to 
tear things apart to be able to put them back together in the correct way because maybe yes. when you glued that like broken vase together like there was you know that piece wasn't in the exact right spot whatever and that's what we kind of have to do I feel like especially at a whether it's a young age or just at a certain point in your life or just not having the tools that you don't know how to put the pieces back together so you kind of do the best you can and the, a lot of people just forget about it they're like it's together it's fine yeah <laughs> we're upright we're good like not let's, over not, that. let's not it, worry about it let's not dig it back up and try to see if we can put it back together better because it's is it it's Japan there. or Japanese culture where if a vase breaks they put it back together with gold oh like I the know. gold I think you're right I have heard of that but I didn't I have no idea like what culture or anything I think it's Japanese but yeah, that's a great like analogy to think about for sure. It's like, yeah, putting it and yeah. but that's the thing. We don't take the time, right? Or you don't have the tools again or people around you to help you to even try to put it back together better. It's just like quickly hurry up, put it, put it back, put it back, put it back. Like let's get on with fix it. On. Just yeah. fix it. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with lacquer dusted or mixed with powdered gold. That's what we're doing. Yes. That's your mission statement. (laughs) A new analogy. Because in one of the first classes, we used the analogy of um, like putting a bandage over an infected wound and Mm -hmm. then unpeeling the bandage and then addressing the infection. But I think the vase is significantly more beautiful than an infected wound. You know, if you're visual, it's a much prettier picture. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm very visual. So I was just like very impactful on that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, always or everyone thinks of something differently and can relate differently. So having multiple ways to explain or or, um, compare is, is ultimately the best way. Um, So you're with forget me not, then you started as a doula, like when did the grief services come in and what other kind of services do you offer through forget me not kind of, do people start anywhere in it or do you normally get people starting at one and it kind of snowballs into doing something else? Um, I typically get one or the other. Mm-hmm. So my, my grief services came in in December. So I'm, I'm pretty new at the grief recovery method. Um, I went out looking for counselors or grief specific therapists, and there's just not a whole lot out there that Mm -hmm. deals with grief as a whole without being faith-based, which is Mm -hmm. fine. But for some that, you know, one, one size doesn't fit all. So, Mm -hmm. so I needed to get something together that wasn't faith-based, um, that was grief specific. Uh, so the grief component came on in December and I'm finding that I would love them to go hand in hand. Like if we work through your grief, then maybe we can get a death plan in place too, or let's get a death plan in place. And now that you've met me and you trust me, maybe we can tackle some of your grief. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm finding that I I either have people come to me for a death plan or grief and that's okay. Yeah. Um, well, you bringing up the faith base, that was something I wanted to ask uh, um, towards the beginning. It came up and that is, also for me feel like a lot of people don't address death um if especially if they are very wrapped up in a faith because either it's like they think like oh it's just there they go to so and so and forever and on and on um and so then maybe don't address it because they're like there's nothing for me to like their grief or whatever um so do you 
gosh, I guess I don't even really know how to ask it. Um, do you have anyone ever come to you who is faith-based and wanting answers, like, like wanting you to give them more of those answers or anybody who is kind of in the middle or like, how do you address faith, I guess, at all in your business? I honor your faith if that's what you believe in. Mm -hmm. I feel like faith can be either so positive and so negative. I have people come to me that um, because they don't believe in what they were raised with, mm -hmm. that now they don't have a relationship with God anymore. And there's a grief cycle there. Mm -hmm. So I'm finding that a loss of faith is also grief. But then when it comes to death, a lot of times faith can be really beautiful because that family believes that there is something for them after death. Either way, I honor it. Yeah. yeah. However, when I do have clients come to me and say, I want you to tell me, Mm -hmm. what comes after death? I can't tell you that. I can't give you those answers. That's something that you have to seek out that answer for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess that's where I was kind of going with that of when people are in that limbo, I guess, of not being too sure. And because that for me as a, at a younger age was the main thing of really not knowing. Like, I grew up, uh, my mom was very Lutheran and we went to church uh, when at a young age, but not for very long. Um, and she never like pounded any beliefs into her head or anything. Like we went to Sunday school, but it was never like, a, oh, we always pray. And my dad didn't come with us or anything. So it was very uh, just like, yeah, you do, you do you. And she still has beliefs and in, in faith and whatnot. Um, but like, we never really were raised with those. So like as hardcore, like yes or no. So I guess that's where I would feel confused as a, at a young age of like, I don't really don't think there's like this and how, and how am I going to know? How am I going to know? The unknown was just what's really scary. And I think that is for a lot of people, again, whether it's like, what's going to happen to my person afterwards or what's going to happen to me or mm -hmm. just so many questions people mm -hmm. have so yeah. at least having yeah. you oh I was gonna say I feel like a lot of people do come to you Nicole for your services with all of these questions and mm -hmm. I just want to say I feel like you do a really good job of asking the appropriate questions being an ear to listen and um, letting your clients feel like they have the power to learn the knowledge, to know that the answers are within them the entire time. I love that. Yes. That is so beautiful. I just guide you, but ultimately you get there yourself. And and we get you to a place where by the time you leave, you're, you feel very confident in what you have chosen. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that, that depending on your faith, that will change disposition method too. So, mm -hmm. um, there are some religions that you have to be buried, mm -hmm. um, or some religions or faiths that feel like you should, or have to be cremated. Uh, that's an interesting conversation to have too, because let's say your parents are very religious, but you are not. Mm -hmm. And let's say you do not want to be buried but that's what your parents know by signing your own cremation authorization, aquamation authorization, or natural organic authorization by signing your own, you are in charge of what happens to your physical body in case an accident happens. So I, I mean, that's like, I will scream it from the mountaintops, like self-authorize, 
you know, like, let's talk about what you want so that you get the disposition of your choice and not necessarily what your parents might want for you or your significant other might want for you. If you don't have that, if you can't have that conversation, which I feel like everyone should, Mm -hmm. but, but if you can't, you, you're, you can be in charge of the skin suit and what happens to it when you pass, like you're in charge. I love this conversation because I've never, ever thought about my um, death, not that of like being fearful or anything about like what to have, what would happen after because one being like not being a parent or owning a bunch of assets, I haven't felt it necessary to like go create a will because that's just what people know, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to go make a will. And that's where, especially if you're a parent, you're in your will, you're going to write who who the care of the children go to or the house or the money or whatever. And because I don't have anything, I've never like thought about it. I'm like, well, you know, my parents are going to be very sad, but they can do whatever they want. Um, But I also know that they may be so, so sad along with my brother that actually having a plan in place could just help them so much through the process of like, Hey, here you go. Like, you don't, you know, you're already in a place that planning this or that for this, this terrible tragedy is nowhere that your mind can even go. So Mm -hmm. it's already here for you. And again, where I might put somebody like Amber, like, look, I know they're going to be a wreck and my mom's not going to be able to do anything. So you're going to be my go-to person of, of having this and, and helping them see this through. Um, and that's just something like, oh, okay, I actually feel like I, I could do something like that and absolutely should so that I feel that the people in my life are taken care of and have a little less off their plate and can just grieve. Dude, you hit the nail on the freaking head. (laughs) And it's not a little bit off their plate. Yeah. Yeah, It's a lot off their plate to have to worry about that. Amber, can I share yours? Yes, please do. Amber is self-authorized. She is being naturally, organically reduced. So human composting. uh, And she's going to give back to the earth with really beautiful soil. But she's Mm self-authorized. So... It doesn't fall on Quincy when she passes away. Uh, It doesn't fall on her husband when she passes away. They just get to love her and grieve and live through their own processing. Mm -hmm. And everything else is taken care of for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you self-authorize, that doesn't mean you have to Mm prepay. You can pre-plan. It's called pre-need. You can go to the funeral home of your choice and you can pre-need. You can set up a, a plan and lock a lock a price in, pla- in place and pay ahead of time if you'd like. But you don't have to. Like I'm self-authorized also to be naturally organically reduced. My authorization's filled out. They have it. If something happens to me, that's where I go. But I haven't paid yet. Mm-hmm. And, and it, if you move to a different state, you just self-authorize there. Like there's nothing... It's set in stone that you're self-authorized, but it, it's not like you, you don't have to pay right now. You're not locked into any sort of pricing. You're not or... going to buy like a plot right now at the cemetery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you expand a little bit on self-authorizing and what that means as far as, so that's what I was wondering too, is so you have this plan, right? But who is actually going to make sure that happens? So if, if I wanted to be cremated, but my parents really wanted something else, um, 
who who makes sure that happens you if you self-authorize saying i want to be cremated that's mm-hmm. what i want and i signed all the paperwork and sent it to my funeral home of choice it you're self-authorized yeah. it's it's you've signed the paperwork you're it's not up to your parents at that point it's mm-hmm. that was your your signature. Yeah. And I always encourage people when they have like a workbook or a death plan, like what we do, put it on top of your refrigerator, put it where, don't put it in a safe because if you pass away and nobody knows the combination to your safe, nobody knows that it exists. Mm -hmm. Can you put it on the cloud? (laughs) Sure. As long as someone has access to your cloud, because if someone doesn't have the password to get into your computer, then totally, then there's no cloud. Right. So so mine's on top of the fridge and Jake, my significant other knows that. So if something mm-hmm. happens to me, my self-authorization paperwork is in there. My death workbook is in there. It's all in there. And all he has to do is open it up and say, okay, I'm going to call this person and they're going to take care of everything for me. So, yeah. I think that's very cool because as I said, I feel like it's not till a certain point usually at of age that people start thinking about wills and whatnot and whether that's like as soon as you have kids or something happens in life where you are someone's ill or something they're like they really make sure things are in place and you don't think of the fact of in your mid 20s mid 30s or whatever that you should have something but as I said is the the simple fact for me thinking about it now is like oh like I can just let my family grieve and don't have to make them set aside the time to figure this all out and then try and grieve. Cause I can't, you know, I, I always think about that when people are going through a loss um, of a death of someone, whether it's their child or mother or someone very close to them, how they almost have to put things just like put it to the side and not even deal with it so that they can deal with funerals and afterlife plans. And like, Oh, do I have to sell this house, take care of their bills, all that. They have to deal with all of that first and foremost, cause that's in their face. And, and can't properly deal with the actual loss until a little bit later if and sometimes they even don't get to it because they've already put it off that they're just like um just totally the base is put together yeah yeah i will say too you know just because we're talking about it like i'm not gonna ever have kids Mm -hmm. so let's say jake and i get in an accident together then i mean i want to make sure everything's in place not, not for anybody else who's grieving, but just because there's really nobody that's going to take care of me. Like if yeah. when my, if, if I outlive my parents mm-hmm. and Jake goes with me, at least the medical examiner will know what I wanted. I, I took care of myself. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have to look into, cause now I'm curious if you're, if you self-authorize, can somebody override that self-authorization? That's something I need to look into mm-hmm. always learning right yeah but I I always encourage self-authorization just because if it's in pay if it's in writing and it's notarized or witnessed I mean the next are steps wishes. are already in place yeah so uh I I'm curious about that so I'm bringing it up to remind myself that I need yeah. to ask that question well because but... especially like if you you know are around you have family or friends or whatever you know that they are they trust you and whatever you want, they're going to give you, but there's, you know, some people who, yeah, the people who are actually taking care of the things are like, nope, whatever they said, like, that is not what I want for them. Just over controlling people. Like, yeah, can they override this or that? And I mean, I still think for yourself, it's going to have just a huge impact. Like, you know, you did everything you could 
to set yourself up in the way that you wanted to because like you said death is the easy part so all in all after the fact like if something different happens than what you wanted that sucks but you can still leave this earth knowing that you put everything you wanted to or needed to in in its place Mm -hmm. yeah so I know we're we're wrapping up on time is there any like funky is there any funky questions you wanted to ask me Um, I wish I had some I don't know if I I do Is there anything funky you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Bring us, bring something up. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I don't have a very good morbid brain. I, I have, I have so many things I could share. I don't know. Not, not off the top of my head. I just, if you had any questions, I was just curious if if you're like, Oh, I want to know, but I don't know if I want to ask because it's morbid and it's not, it's just a part of life. So, you know, you can ask me anything. Oh, actually. Okay. So disposition, you've said it. I think obviously you, people could gather that that means um, like how you want your body disposed of at death. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned obviously burial, cremation, and then natural, organic, natural. Uh, ah, okay. So there's there, and it depends on what state and country. I mean, there's yeah. different things everywhere. So I always suggest that you look into your own state and what they offer, but we'll say cremation, uh, aquamation or alkaline hydrolysis, which is like cremation, but with water, there's natural organic reduction, which is amazing and getting legalized in so many places, which basically it's human composting. Some states have body farms. There's whole body donation. Um, There's natural burials where you're shrouded or you're put in a a casket or coffin that will like a wicker or or wood that will decompose. So there's natural burials. Then there's what we call traditional burials. Um, Like in a cemetery, there's, you know, the vault and and all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's traditional and I'm trying to think I'm pretty sure that's it for right now open air pyres there's one in Colorado but you have to be wait you have open, to live there open air what pyre um like what the Vikings really used you know not the flaming ship but like what they actually did and which is an open <gasps> air cremation wow yeah I mean I had no idea even with the natural um Burial Organic or, production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's becoming more uh, popular. Is it, like- yes, <laughs> yes. There are states that are passing, saying, okay, we, we're going to offer this. It's truly the only way that you can be a tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, right? You'll see the tree pod online with the human that's in like a fetal position in the tree pod and then the tree growing out of it. Uh-huh. It's an art installation. It's not a real thing. Yeah we can always break down why it's not later. Um, but natural organic reduction, you get one cubic yard of super rich soil back and you can give back to the planet with that. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a really beautiful process. Um, I know, I think in some parts of the world, there's still sky burial. If you feel like looking that one up. Yeah. Um, that's also giving back to the birds. Send you off just on a rocket. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite. I'll let I was you look listening into that to one because it's not really a thing but everybody. Anymore, but... I know I'm gonna Google it. Later. I'm gonna have to because the other day this song popped in my head and I started listening to uh, Frank Sinatra "Fly Me to the Moon." So yeah. now I... <laughs> you can fly your ashes to the moon. They do. Oh, really? They do space launches with your oh, ashes. Oh my god! 
Yeah. That's how I've, I've, I've figured endless. cremation because I want to, like anyone who wants a part of me can have me like, you know, make a little necklace ring, whatever. And then I also want just ashes to be spread in places that I love. Um, but that's also at a time where I had just, you know, no other options were really uh, known very well besides burial and cremation. So check out aquamation. Yeah. Great on the environment. You get twice as many ashes back um they float which is kind of interesting (laughs) um yeah no no carbon output with aquamation Mm. which is nice very cool it's like a beautiful bath (laughs) a beautiful disposition bath (laughs) i love it that is awesome i'm sure that now as we've like broached this subject that I'll probably think of some things I'm like, oh my God, I have to ask Nicole about that. Yeah. I was more so just so interested in exactly just what you do. Cause as I said, in the beginning of it, like you've, we've heard of birth doulas, um, but not a lot of death doulas and exactly how and what they do. And the fact that you also mentioned you give people tools that they can then carry on and teach other people is amazing because, a lot of industries you're like nope come to me pay me for this come to this like you know it's not about you getting better in life and spreading this and you're all about nope I'm gonna teach you and you now go off and you spread this like just webs of webs of knowledge and information out to the world and so anyone who does work that is meant to be shared with others I think needs to be recognized um so that's amazing. And I'm so happy to have gotten to talk to you and, and learn some stuff and just make my mind think in ways that it hasn't thought. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So and- if anyone out there too has questions, sorry, Amber, um, no, like, hit us up, let us know. Cause we will definitely pass these on to Nicole and we'll also leave all her information in our show notes that you can uh, reach out to her as well. But what were you going to say, Amber? Oh, I was going to say, Nicole, um, how can the people find you and what do you have going on in your life? Um, How can they find out about the grief recovery process and your business? Forgetmenotdoula.com. It's all there. You can reach out via email. You can, I'm going to have the podcast on there. I'm I'm redoing my website. So it'll be more user-friendly here shortly, but everything that you need to know is on there. Upcoming classes, um, talks, everything, the grief recovery method is outlined on there. If anyone's curious about what that is, uh, and also the workbook, a little bit about me, but that's the best way to get in contact. My phone number's on there too. You can reach out via text message. I awesome. love it. I do, that you does. Have, you have a taboo talk coming up. I do. We're, we're going to tour return home, which is the human composting facility here in Auburn, Washington. Oh. We're actually going to go to the facility and walk around and you get to experience it firsthand. And that's what you're, you're going to do that, right, Amber? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Um, one question I had real quick was just based on your, around your services. So, so you're in Tacoma. We all know I'm in Truckee. Um, do you do any online services, like remote services for people who may want to like contact you or is it all in person right now? No, my death services to create a death workbook. I can help anybody anywhere. Okay. Um, Grief Recovery Institute. I'm in process of becoming advanced certified so that I will be able to do Zoom. Right now, I can't hold Zoom for the grief recovery program. So that will be all in person. But I'm hoping within 
a month or two, I'll have my advanced certification. With Over Zoom, we lose a lot of the human experience. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. they're teaching us practices on how we can energetically and we can be present without being present mm-hmm. just to, to provide a little bit more grief support. So, so grief I'm, I'm working on, I should be launched in a couple of months. Um, but death work. Yeah. I, we can do that over zoom. I can help anybody anywhere. And then I just mail your workbook to you. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, so we know where to find you. Like I said, that the, all that stuff will be in the show notes. So you can go directly to her website from there. And um, before we sign off, any last parting words from either of you ladies? Thanks for coming, Nicole. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, another powerful woman along this powerful month. And we just are always powerful every year, every month, every day. <laughs> A baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we're going to sign off and we will talk to everybody uh, next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments. Um, We'll definitely engage back with you. And on social media right now, we're just on Instagram, tearingituppodcast is the handle. Like the post, share the post, comment on the post, whatever it is you got, um, show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all. So again, rate and review, please. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.